Well, it's great to be back with you, Kathy and I, last weekend. Uh, we're in Jacksonville attending the pastor's conference there, and Kathy was attending the ladies' conference there. Uh, usually, when we're at conferences like that, people always say, where are you from? You know, and if you say LaBelle, they give you that look, like, where's that? Well, this time, we had two people say, we know exactly where that's at. We were stunned. One, well, our daughter-in-law had her first teaching job in LaBelle, and her and her husband got married at the Methodist Church, and now he's a professor at PBA. Second one said, yeah, my best friend is a pastor there. I said, is he? He said, yes, Brother Zimmerman at Grace. I said, you know, I, I'm just, usually people don't know where LaBelle is, but we had a great time. And uh, enjoyed that. Appreciate Brother Preston preaching last week, and I know you were blessed uh, by that. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the Old Testament, chapter 19, 1 Kings chapter 19 of the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 19. And I want to read a story that I believe you can relate to. Have you ever felt discouraged? Have you ever felt discouraged? Most likely, you will have to say yes. Feel discouraged. We've all experienced it at times. And at times, it's worse than others. But one of the things that I have noticed throughout Scripture, God did not call perfect people to serve Him. He called people just like us. And the prophet Elijah is a prophet that I believe you and I can relate to. He had highs, he had lows. There was times he rejoiced, and there were times he was totally discouraged and ready to throw in the towel. Have you been there? Well, you just say, hey, I've had enough. This just can't go on. And just ready to throw in the towel and say, you know, that's it. But we know in life we can't live like the ostrich with his head stuck in the sand. Even though on some Mondays that's how we feel. You know, what do we do? Well, I want us to see what Elijah did. 1 Kings chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his wife. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness, and he sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then he laid down, and he slept under the broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him, and the angel told him, Get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head, was a loaf of bread baked hot, baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. 
And then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him, and he said, Get up, eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and then on the strength of that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God, and entered a cave there and spent the night. Suddenly the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, tore down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I'm alone and left, and they're looking for me to take my life. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. And at that moment, the Lord passed by, and a great and a mighty wind was tearing at the mountains, and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle. And he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, and suddenly, A voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies. He replied, But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, tore down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left. And they're looking for me to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. And when he arrived, you are to to anoint Hazel, king of Aram, and you are to anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, son of Zarephath, and and Amola, or Abel Amola, something like that, as prophet in your place. And then Jehu will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, and Elijah will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jehu. But I will leave 7,000 in Israel, every knee that has not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. I know that's a long passage of Scripture, but here we find where Elijah himself in this moment was in total despair. He had been working for the Lord. He was the prophet of that day, but it was very hard Many of the other prophets of the Lord in that day had been killed, some by the prophets of Baal and some by the people of Israel themselves. Elijah had worked hard. He was just like you and I. Every day took a toll on him. But it came, we find in 1 Kings chapter 18, in the previous chapter, it came a moment where Elijah, through the grace of God, was able to show the people of that day who the true and living God was. And so it came, you might say, to a mountaintop experience where the prophets of Baal and the prophets of God, or the prophet of God, assembled. And they agreed, the first one, the first God, who is able to send fire from heaven down and consume the sacrifice, would be the true and living God. Elijah told the prophets of Baal, go, go first, y'all go first. Build your altar, do whatever you got to do, and see if your God answers. Elijah knew that their God would not answer. 
But he allowed the prophets of Baal. And there were hundreds and hundreds of these prophets. And they built their altar and they said their chants and they did their dance and they did all of those things and nothing happened. After hours and hours had spent, Elijah said to them, what's the matter? Is your God asleep? Is your God on vacation? Are you not hollering enough? Can he not hear you? And that sent some of the prophets into a tizzy in the sense of they started cutting themselves and, and, and all of these things to try to get their God to send fire down to consume the sacrifice. And after hours had passed, Elijah said, let me show you what the true and living God can do. And on that same place, Elijah rebuilt an altar and put the wood and the stone and put the sacrifice on that altar. He dug a trench around it and he asked him to go get water. Now, that was hard. Because you see, years before that, Elijah had prayed that there'd be a drought in the land and they had been almost three years with no rain. To find water was difficult, but they found water. He covered the sacrifice with water. He didn't do that once. He didn't do it twice. He did it three times. To that sacrifice, an altar and trench was totally saturated with water. And then Elijah prayed. And in that moment, Elijah prayed for God to send a mighty fire from heaven down to that sacrifice. And in that moment, God sent the fire down. Now, just to think about that, I don't know, you know, in some ways, I wish I could have been there to see that. And you think, man, that would change my life if I could have seen where fire from heaven consumed that sacrifice. After that, the prophets of Baal were taken down and they were killed because people saw how false they were. Right after that, Old Jezebel heard what Elijah had done. And when Elijah heard that Jezebel was saying, by this time tomorrow, you will be dead. Now, what were you done? Now, Elijah had just seen God work a mighty act where the fire came from heaven and came down and consumed the sacrifice. And Elijah could have said, hey, if my God can send fire down, I'm not worried about Jezebel. But we find that when he heard Jezebel was after him, boy, it deflated him. He became afraid. He was fearful. And he was saying, God, I'm done. Discouragement. Maybe it's been at work. Maybe you've worked hard. Maybe you brought in a project for your company. Maybe you've done something and you were doing it and you received praise and honor and all those things. But then all of a sudden something comes along and you are totally discouraged, fed up, and say, hey, I'm out of here. But we find that Elijah was feeling this. And he was looking at this. In James chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Elijah was a human being, as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain for three years and six months, and it didn't rain. So in the beginning, Elijah was praying. This great thing happened. You know, in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, it says, he said to them, the Lord said, 
Come away by yourself to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. This was Jesus telling his disciples, hey, we need to leave here and go find a place of rest. Because there's so many people coming in and coming out. What we find happen is that Elijah's failure was a spiritual one. He saw Jezebel, and he heard Jezebel, but he no longer was listening to God. And I believe this morning we need to make sure that when disappointment comes, and it will come, not to forget to listen to God. God has made promises to us. But Elijah became impatient. That impatience led to disobedience, and he took off. And Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, it says, Therefore the Lord God said, Look, I have laid a stone in Zion. And here's the part I want you to hear. A tested stone. A precious cornerstone. A sure foundation, the one who believes, will be unshakable. Now, that's in the Old Testament. And I know sometimes people say, well, that's the Old Testament. It doesn't apply to us. Let me tell you something. This applies to us. He said, I have laid a stone in Zion, and it is tested. God himself has put the stone. Jesus Christ is our cornerstone, and it cannot be moved, and it is unshakable, and we need to see that that is there for us. And when we face discouragement, and when we face that time where we feel like we're out of it, we need to realize that Jesus is there. Elijah Basically, he felt, man, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. He said, I'm just going to go save my life and, you know, let everybody take care of themselves. And we get like that too sometimes. We say, man, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. And man, there has been no recognition. No one cares. They keep saying church is dead. They keep saying people are not interested anymore. Well, let them have it. But when we're doing that, whose eyes are we looking through? In that moment, we're not looking at God's eyes. We're looking through ours. And this is where Elijah was. And so Elijah, at this moment, he was ready to split town. He said, I'm done. I'm leaving. And in the first four verses, that is what Elijah did. He, he said, you know, loneliness, despondent, and he said, I'm out of here. But I want you to note a couple things. There it says there, he said, may the Lord punish me. I mean, um, uh, this was um, Jezebel. But basically, when, when Elijah decided to run for his life, he ran, and after a period of time, he told his servant, you stay here, I'm going to keep going. Now, when we're discouraged, when we're fed up, many times... We don't want to hear it from anybody. In our minds, we're done. And if we have a friend that usually is there to help us, we, 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 we kind of say, well, you know, I just don't want to hear this good stuff anymore. I'm going to leave you here. But, you know, I want you to know something. This is what Satan wants you to do. 
You say, well, you know, if I'm having a trouble, I should come to church. People say, well, that's the last place I want to be. It should be the first place you would want to be. It should be the first place. See, Satan wants to isolate us from our friends, from church, from all those things that could help us and bring us back. Satan tells you to run. And boy, we can run. Some people have been running for years, and they're still running. What is it going to take to bring you back? Well, Elijah thought, okay, I got rid of my friend. He won't be there to, to give me good advice. I got rid of him. And he went and he ran and he ran and he ran until he fell asleep under a broom tree. You know, when we are discouraged and when we're fed up, that's usually what we want to do. We just want to crawl under our blanket. We want no one to talk to us. We don't want anybody to say anything. And we're done. But what did the Lord do? Lord sent an angel. Lord sent an angel, touched him, said, Elijah, get up. I prepared food for you. Now, I would have, I wonder about that. I bet you that bread was good. He prepared. That's, you see, when we're discouraged and, and, and are running, God hasn't given up on you, He's still there. But we don't want to listen to it. And so Elijah got up, he ate, and he did what a lot of us did. He just went back to sleep. Said, I'm done. And so the second time, the angel of the Lord came and said, Elijah, get up. What are you doing here? Get up and eat. Because for the next 40 days, you're going to be walking. Eat. <laughs> and he did. But look where God took him. If you read in the scripture, we read it this morning, he took him to Mount Horb. That is the same mountain as many of us know as Mount Sinai. Now, Sinai might ring a bell because that's where God spoke to Moses in the Ten Commandments. Now, here's another interesting thing. God sent him there. He said, I, you know, I'm going to talk to him. Now, here's, here's an interesting thing. God sent the wind. God wasn't in the wind. God sent earthquake. God wasn't in the earthquake. God sent fire. Isn't it interesting that the elements of this world, like wind, fire, rain, all listen to God. But people don't always. It took to later for Elijah to put the mantle over his face, step out, and that still small voice spoke to him. Now, here's another thing. Elijah, remember, he had this big contest on top of the mount and all the prophets of Baal were killed. God was raised up. At that moment, Elijah was on his mountaintop experience and he said, God, you did it. Now, Elijah's at the bottom, feeling depressed and discouraged. And sometimes, have you ever thought for God how God should do things? Have you ever thought, now God, if I was you, this is what I'd do. It would be like a Star Wars movie. You'd have stars colliding and sparks going and this. You know, God, if you could have another moon come into our solar system, we have two moons and this or that. Boy, people would listen. We always want God to do a big thing. And let me tell you, God can do big things. Some of you, some of us, sitting here today, hasn't God done something in your life? 
And it's a big thing. It might not be big like a big old multi-million dollar movie with all the special effects. But I also want you to know, God can do big. But I also want you to know, God can do small. And let me tell you, as long as it's God, it's still the same value. In other words, we think, well, for it to be good, it's got to be big. It can't be good if it's small. Well, if God speaks to you in a small voice, let me tell you, that is just as mighty as the big, isn't it? And so what Elijah had to learn at this moment, yeah, something big happened when the prophets of Baal and the prophet of God met. That was big. But now God was speaking to him in a small voice, and Elijah needed to hear that. You know, sometimes... <laughs> In our home sometimes, when everybody's there, mom, dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, they're all there, and everybody's talking, and every, the cats and the dogs and everybody else are there, you know, and, and this one is like, go do this and do that, and, you know, and finally someone says, hey! You know, to get everybody's attention. But have you ever had an experience where someone, maybe in the house, was just talking in a small voice, and at first, no one was paying attention because everybody was doing their own thing. But then in a moment's notice, someone realizes, hey, they're saying something. And everybody gets quiet to hear what that person has to say. Right, sometimes in our world today, we get so busy that I believe we miss out on the small voice of God. Now, God can get our attention. But even in that small voice, this is what he was trying to do with Elijah. He said, look, I know you're running, but I also want you to know I'm going to provide for you. And then he, he, he was saying, Elijah, not only that, I, I, I want to encourage you. I, I want to encourage you to let you know that things are still in control. You see, that was another thing. Elijah thought all was lost, that there was no longer control, that things were totally out of hand. Have you felt like that today in our world? That things are totally out of hand? Let me tell you something. In this section of scripture with all those names that I have a hard time pronouncing, Hazel, Jehu, and you know, all those, if you read those, Hazel was being appointed the new king of Syria. Jehu was being appointed the new king of Israel. Elisha was being appointed to being the new prophet. In other words, God was saying, Elijah, I told you I had a plan. And now I am showing you, and I'm moving this person here, and I'm moving this person here, and I'm moving this person here. And basically, what God was trying to tell Elijah, he said, look, stop complaining, stop grieving, and get back to work. Now, we don't like to hear that sometimes. We like our Pity parties, don't we? We get little, oh, we, just, we can stay in them. But what good is it going to do? You see, in this, in this story this morning, this real life event, don't forget what discouragement can do. It can bring defeat in your life. And let me tell you, it, it, it can be serious. It can bring disappointment. And that defeat and that disappointment brings on a paralyzing disease 
that can take you to places you didn't think you'd ever be to the point that you are dead spiritually. You see, Satan loves to discourage us. Because when he discourages us, he is slowly trying to defeat you from being effective in any way in God's kingdom. Isn't it amazing the things that God, I mean, that Satan brings up? Well, you know, I was at church last Sunday and that person didn't talk to me, so, you know, I'm not coming back. You know, they put out a different type of bulletin. I don't like it. I'm going to stay home. Martha Ray. <laughs> I love you, Martha Ray. Okay, good. I don't want you to. I don't want you to. Keep me straight, Martha Ray. Okay. Discouragement. Every one of us faces that. But don't let Satan win. He wants to isolate you. He wants to pull you away from God and say, Satan, you're not doing that to me. I'm going to be around where I can hear the word of God because that's what I need. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that even in this prophet who became discouraged, who became upset, became fearful, Lord, looked to you. Even though he wasn't looking to you, he looked to you and saw that still small voice there to show him the way. Lord, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, we ask that you would lead us in your son's name. Amen.